he truly keeps revealing himself over and over again. Uh, we're just going to take time to look around and realize that he is in everything, like we talked about in, in Sunday school this morning. He is in everything, whether we realize it or not, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, whether we want to give him control or not, he is in control. He is a sovereign God and he is righteous. Um, it's just a matter of whether we want to acknowledge it or not. It doesn't matter if we want to accept it or not. It is. He is. And so it's just a, it's a beautiful thing to live in a God that controls everything and has our best interests at heart. If you would please bow your heads with me this morning as we open with a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we are thankful for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Lord, it is truly an opportunity, Lord, to come together with family. Lord, as we share the same blood as your son died for us on the cross, Lord, that we share his blood. Lord, that makes us family. Lord, we're thankful for family. Lord, we're thankful for your presence through the Spirit, Lord. I just pray that you be with each and every person here today, God, that you would open our hearts and minds. Lord, that we would receive what you would have for us today. God, I pray that you be with those that couldn't make it today. God, for whatever reason, Lord, that they could just feel your love, Lord, and draw closer to you by the minute. Lord, I am thankful for this place that you have given us to come worship, Lord, this country that you have given us to worship you freely, Lord, and the men and women that protect that right, God, I pray that you put a hedge of protection around them, Lord. Lord, I am thankful for the opportunity, Lord, to do your work in your house. God, it is truly a blessing to be able to speak your words. Lord, I pray that everyone in here would find your purpose on their life because, Lord, we all have one. Lord, I pray that we would desire your purpose on our lives. Lord, that we would align ourselves with your will for us. God, be with us this morning as we try to align ourselves under your authority. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Something hit me pretty hard this week. We live in such a world of now. I want it now. I don't want to wait for it. I want it now. Everything that we strive to do is faster, is, is more instantaneous, uh, faster internet. I know we didn't get internet in my house until I was probably 16 or 17 years old and it was dial up and you heard the, the screeching, beeping, whatever it was while you, you connected to the internet and then it was really slow and now it is almost to the point where everything is almost instantaneous. We got Facebook where you can see updates of your family instantly, you got Instagram and Twitter and all the stuff that I don't know about. I, there's one even called Marco Polo that the girls at the bank use. And it's anyway, it's all about instantaneousness. We want to be able to communicate and we don't want to wait until later. We want to do it now. Who receives letters in the mail from family members anymore? My grandpa wrote me a letter here not too long ago. And I just, it's so much more personable I mean, there's places that will write you letters if you don't make payments or, or things like that, and you'll get letters in the mail. Um, some might even have my signature on them. Um, but those aren't the kind of letters that I'm talking about. The fact that somebody sat down on the other side of that piece of paper and that stamp and that envelope, and they were thinking of you the whole time they had that pen in their hand, it brings a whole new meaning 
handwritten letter. You can see where people get in a hurry and where people have time in a handwritten letter. You can almost read and feel the feelings that they were feeling as they wrote that handwritten letter. Um, My grandpa also mailed me his Bible that he had preached out of and, and the notes that he had made and the pages are falling out of it as literally it's it's worn down but inside from cover to cover are notes highlights underlinements and that didn't come from the now he didn't do that in a day it was a lifetime of using that bible that these notes and the highlights and the important things to him are shown through the pages I'm not saying that people are wrong in using electronic device to use as a Bible. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that Bible will forever mean something to me because it came a part of me because my grandpa wrote in it. It's a testament to his life, the thoughts that he had towards Christ our Savior. And I want to and save all of my notes and notebooks that I write in so that one day when my kids might feel lost or that my grandkids might feel lost, that they can stumble through my notes and they can get, hopefully, a good feeling about the things that I thought about Christ and the things that Christ had done for me. I don't write them down for my own glory. I write them down for futures to come. Because futures to come make a difference. In a world of instant gratification where we go to fast food restaurants that they cook burgers or have them ready... And we know how bad those things are for us, but we do it because we don't have time. We do it because we don't want to take time. I don't write letters because it takes time. Grandpa used to brush hog the whole farm with a little Ford 8-in tractor and a 5-foot brush hog. And I thought... It was just an amazing, amazing invention when we got a seven-foot brush hog. It was like, my gosh, this is so much faster. This is way better. I now have a 10-foot brush hog and wish I had a 15-foot because I don't have time to brush hog. But as I was riding the tractor a couple years ago, I realized that the problem I had is that I enjoy farming. That's my solitary place, the place that I can get alone, that I can have a conversation with God and truly, truly be thankful for the things that he has blessed me with in my life while spending that time alone. And here I am rushing it. But how are we all in our prayer life the same? We don't have time. We don't want to take time because that would take away from us. But taking away from us and giving to him is what we should be all about. Whenever we give in to the instantaneous of the things of this world, we're giving in to fleshly desires. Because longevity is what the Lord talks about. Enduring till the end. Running your race. Some things are instantaneous. When we pray, we talked about it this morning. When we pray, some things happen instantaneously. Some healings happen instantaneously. But if you get to looking at it, If these people standing in a circle praying for healing had not spent time with God in the past, their prayers 
wouldn't be the same. So just because we see instant fruits, sometimes the labors went way deeper before that. These people had spent time cultivating a relationship with the Lord and Savior. If we look in Genesis chapter 25, we're going to talk about Isaiah. Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 19. It says, and these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham, Abraham begot Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife. The daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian, of whatever that word is, the sister to Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him and Rebekah, his wife, conceived And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy vows. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red and all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Isaiah. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took a hold on Isaiah's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. And the boys grew, and Isaiah was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Isaiah because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Isaiah came from the field, and he was faint. And Isaiah said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Adam. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Isaiah said, Behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Isaiah bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Isaiah despised his birthright. Jacob had bigger plans than Isaiah did. Jacob was thinking about a future. Isaiah lived in the here and now. He was hungry and wanted to eat. So he gave away to his fleshly desires of his hunger and sold his birthright, which was a blessing by God. And he gave away something God had given him to his other brother. Some say outsmarted, some say out cunning. But what it basically boils down to is Isaiah fed the flesh. He gave in to his hunger and desired the here and now. Versus looking ahead into the things to come. 
As we flip over to Matthew chapter 4, we're going to look at Jesus' temptation when he was in the wilderness. In Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. The tempter came and tempted Jesus' flesh. He tempted him with something that he hadn't had in 40 days. I don't know if any of you guys have ever fasted before, but it is a struggle for me to go three. It is a struggle for me to deny my flesh, to show my allegiance to God. To say, I won't answer my flesh, Lord, because I hinge on you. Jesus had went 40 days, which is not scientifically possible, by the way, without food. He went 40 days without something his body in this earthly realm needed. He went without it. So you can imagine. It says he was hungry. Says Jesus hungered. And Satan, being the tempter he is, said, take this rock. I know you can do it. I know who you are. I know that you have authority and that you can take this and you can make it bread and you can eat. But Jesus, knowing what he knew, knew that he would eat again. He knew that his father would take care of him. Amen. He didn't give way to his fleshly desires because he knew that there was more at stake for him. How often do we think of ourselves as that pivotal in the kingdom of God? Because we are with purpose. When you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, you become a child of the King. You become an heir to the kingdom. You matter. You matter. God sent His Son to die for you because you matter. And God has purpose for you. So to think that you are not significant in this world is foolish thinking. Because you are significant. You make a difference. Because God purposed you. God designed you. God created you. And He doesn't do things without a purpose and without meaning. And Jesus realized that His life had purpose and it had meaning. And it was far more desirous of Him to follow God's will versus feeding His flesh. So Jesus answered and He said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taking him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone." Jesus said to him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. 
Could Jesus have cast himself down off there and been saved by a host of angels coming down? Absolutely, he could have. That was not the time for God's glory to be shown. Jesus knew that God had glory awaiting for him, but that was not the time. He could have showed off right there and he said, yep, I'm jumping off here, devil, so that I can show you who I am. He chose not to because it's not about who he is. It's about who God is. Jesus could have jumped off, saved himself, and the people around him would have went, whoa, that's awesome. But bigger things were at stake and Jesus knew it. Do we know that our lives have bigger things at stake for the people around us? That it's not for the edifying of our body, but the edifying of the body of Christ, which is his church. That your life is not just merely mortal, but it has everlasting effects. Eternal glory lies in his children. It says everybody is born a child of the king. That's not true. Everybody is born in God's image. But we are not children of the king until we accept Christ as Savior. So in God's children lie eternal things. Things more than just what this world has to offer. A glorification of what we can do in the here and now. I could stand up here behind a pulpit and preach myself all day. But it wouldn't have eternal ramifications for everybody else out there. Because everything I could tell you about myself is temporal and will fade away whenever God tries to call me home. Whenever God decides to call me home, everything that I have done, if it wasn't for the kingdom, will fall. Because he says everything will be tried by fire and only kingdom things will stand. So Jesus chose not to glorify himself by throwing himself off the pinnacle. In verse 8 it says, And again the devil take him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. When I read that I'm like, man that's a high mountain, you can see all the world, the world's round, I mean, that's a big mountain. But anyway, the devil showed him everything that this world had to offer. He showed him everything that this world had to offer. A lot of times we don't get to see everything that this world has to offer, but we're tempted nonetheless just to see a piece of something that we could have now. I want to sacrifice the future because I want satisfaction now. I've said it a lot. There's a lot of good people that make bad choices. There's a lot of good-hearted people that make bad choices. I've got family members that have done it. I've done it. Good-hearted people make bad choices, and then they have to live with the consequences thereof. But the eternal things that we make, David made bad choices, but God knew his heart. David had a servant's heart. It was aimed towards God. Where is your heart aimed towards today? What are you aiming for today? Are you aiming for tomorrow? Are you aiming for eternal things? Jesus and the tempter, or Satan, was standing on top of this exceeding high mountain. And the devil was showing him all that this world had to offer. 
and the glory of every kingdom. And said unto him, in verse 9, All these things I will give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus saith unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Verse 9. And the devil said to him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship thee. Jesus' time was not then, and he realized that. Why? Because Jesus knew that all these things were going to be his eventually anyway. The devil was merely trying to cut the timeline so that he could tempt Jesus into taking his reign now and confining it to an earthly reign. Jesus knew what his purpose was, that he was created for more, and that he would eventually rule all the kingdoms of this earth. Amen? It was just a matter of time, and in God's time, not his own. The devil was stroking the cord of, I want you to do it on your time because your timeline's what matters. He was trying to throw out God's timeline and what the timeline of God meant. How often do we sacrifice God's timeline to appease ourselves? To appease what we have? Well, God's not taking care of it. I'm going to take care of it. God's not doing it when I want Him to do it, so I'm going to do it now. Because that's what I want, and I want it now. I'm hungry, so I'm going to eat now. I don't care if God told me not to eat till tomorrow. I'm going to eat today because I'm hungry now. But when we make these decisions, when we make these choices, we're sowing to the flesh. And that's something that's been coming up over and over and over again this week. As it says, those that sow to the flesh shall reap of the flesh also. But those that sow to the Spirit, sow the Spirit shall they reap. You can do amazing, amazing things when you set on the promises of God. When you set on His promises and allow Him to dictate your life and to guide your life and to allow His timeline to work in place of your own, you're going to find a great glorification at the end. And I love what Micah says. Micah, Micah kind of brings it all together. Micah chapter 7, verse 7 says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord, I will wait for the God of my salvation, my God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. Micah's like, I've got to wait for him because everything that he has to offer is what I want. It doesn't matter what I want because I don't want anything to do with this life. I want eternal things and only God can offer me these things. I have no choice. I have to wait. 
They're not of me. I can't do anything about it because I'm seeking eternal things. I have to wait on God's timing because it has nothing to do with me. I can't get myself to heaven, so I have to wait on God to call me home. I have no road to salvation that I've paved. It was because he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I can't cross over Jordan into a different country without God taking me there. So here I am today. I may not be here tomorrow, but I'm waiting on his timing because I want what he wants to give me. And he wants to give it to us. He wants us to have eternal glory. He wants us to have a glorified body. He wants us to experience righteousness. He wants it for us. He wants it for all of his kids. But we sacrifice eternal things for earthly things because we look at the now. We look at what's right in front of us. We would be all a lot better off if we had blinders on where we couldn't see what was right in front of us. The only thing that we could see was our visions that God gave us. Because then and only then would we not equate the earthly things into our realm, but be guided by godly things. Look at David. David waited at least 15 years, probably over that. But we know it was 15 years from the time that he fought Goliath until he became king. So he was on the run and he waited and he had times to kill Saul, but he did not because it wasn't in God's timing. David was anointed king before he ever went to battle with Goliath. Over 15 years did he wait because he knew that God anointed him king and in God's timing would it be perfected. Not his own. It didn't matter what he wanted because he knew he had to go through the process. He knew that there was a reason why he wasn't taking over the kingdom at that time. He's seen God's vision. He's seen what God had set aside for him and overcome everything that this world had to offer. Vengeance could have been him. He could have killed Saul on multiple occasions and chose not to. Man, how hard would that be? Somebody that's been chasing you for 10 plus years, trying to kill you and you have the opportunity and you don't retaliate. Because it wasn't in God's time. We have to start seeking the things that God would have for us and seek them in his time, not our own. It's a building process. Maturing in your relationship with the Lord means seeking it, desiring it, looking for it. Who woke up this morning and realized how beautiful the sun was this morning? Amen. God's creation. We were cutting wood yesterday. And I tell you this not to exemplify myself in in no way. My kids are fantastic. We were cutting wood yesterday and my kids and my wife were rolling wood logs up to the splitter. And my son points out this cross in the middle of the stump. And he comes over and he's like, Dad, Dad, look at this. It's a cross. If my kid was not looking for godly things, he would have never seen it. 
If my grandparents and my parents weren't seeking godly things, I never would have been here. My parents taught me who Christ was. I pass on the baton to my kids because I want eternal thanks for them. If God calls them home tomorrow, yes, I'll be sorrowful, but I'll know that they're waiting for me and that they're with their father and they can't be hurt. And they can't be steered wrong and they can't be hard hearted because this world has taken them over. Absolutely, I will cry and I will mourn and I will weep. But I'll be in a joyous state because I know that God has called his children home. There's certain things that we can do to get there. We've got to change our way of thinking. We've got to change the way we act. We've got to change the way we pray. We've got to change the desires of our heart to desire kingdom things. I used to desire a lot of other things in my life. And I'm still not wholly there yet, but I can tell you today as I stand here, I desire the kingdom more than I ever have in my life's past. Amen. Glory be to God. It's not natural for me. I'm a sinner. I'm a deadbeat. I never was and never could be until Jesus Christ came into my life and he said, you are what I am. You can be what I was and you can be more because I'm going to send the Spirit to be with you all the time. That you can do the same things that I did and more. And that's what I want out of you. I want good things for you, son. I can imagine that's what God tells me. I want good things for you. I want you to make choices for the kingdom. I want you to raise your kids in my way and not your own. And I want you to seek godly things and seek me in everything that you do. That way you won't be led astray. That way you won't fall down because you're seeking me always. And even when you fall... I'm going to be there to pick you up because you're looking right beside you where I'll be. He says, I'll walk through them with you. Matthew 16. Anita, I didn't give you these just because they're quick hitters. Matthew 16, starting in verse 24. says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Deny yourself. That's the first step in seeking godly things is denying yourself. Your thought process isn't anymore, what do I want, but what do you want from me? How do I better follow you? Because I know the things that you would have for me are way better than the things that I would have for me. So God, today, this morning, I call on you first because I desire the things that you would have for me today. God, show me the things that you want from me. God, allow me to see the things that you would want me to see. God, allow me to speak words of life into people that you want me to speak life into. God, by your glory and your power, not my own. 
deny yourself. What would a person sell their soul for? Fame? Money? Power? Jesus once again gave the perfect example because he knew all these things were going to be his. We're going to walk on streets of gold. We're going to open gates that are pearly white. This world doesn't have anything to offer that exceeds anything that my heavenly Father has built for me. I'm going to get to live in a mansion. Amen? With a room designed specifically for me. Built by the master carpenter. I can only imagine how great it's going to be. The wonder sets itself apart. That song that was played, I can only imagine, is one of the first songs that I ever related to in my walk with Christ. It has a special place in my heart because it says I can only imagine. He gives us a glimpse of His glory, but we can only imagine what it is from there. Because it's so much better than anything that you could ever think of. I love a good cheeseburger. But am I willing to sacrifice streets of gold, pearly gates, face to face with my Creator for something fleshly? That's why you have to deny yourself. Second thing we have to do is prioritize. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Prioritize when you wake up in the morning, what is your first goal? Is it to establish a relationship with the Lord? Or is your first goal to roll out of bed and take a shower? We have to start prioritizing because it says to us, wherever we put our money And our mind is, there our heart will be also. You can't think about bad things all the time and not expect your heart to go there. You can't think vengeful thoughts and expect your heart not to be vengeful. You can't think lustful things and expect your heart not to lust. You can't look and desire earthly things without your heart following and desiring Earthly things over heavenly things. You have to prioritize your life. What do you want most? Where is your heart at? Where do you want your heart to be? It may not be there right now. It is a growth process. We're here to grow together because Annette, sometimes when I fall into a struggle, you can look at me and you can give me strength from God. Because God can use you when you allow it. God wants to use all of us. He gives us a purpose. I had a brother tell me one time. He said, men like you and me, there is no question anymore of will you. It's a question of where are we going? What are we doing? Because once you accept Christ as Savior, the question's been answered. Yes, you will. It's a matter of where and when now. Because your servitude is no longer in question because when you received Christ, you said yes. So we need to prioritize our life that follows what we confess that day. 
We need to prioritize our life and put our hearts where they need to be. Number three, plan and pray. In Luke 14, starting in verse 28, it says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Plan. Pray. I tell you what, when I throw caution to the wind and try to act on my own, usually I end up falling on my face. I'm not saying that we should use the excuse, I'll pray about it. Number one, Christian quote-unquote excuse, ah, I'm going to pray about it. Some things don't need to be prayed about. If God's calling you to something and you know it, don't make the excuse, do it. First time I ever spoke in front of a crowd was that. I had prayed about it for two weeks, and when the question finally God asked to me, they said, oh, take your time, pray about it. I don't want to put any pressure on you. And I'm like, I'm glad you finally asked me. I've been carrying this around for two weeks. Man, why didn't you ask me earlier? But it wasn't in God's time. It wasn't in God's time. Some things can be answered instantaneously. Some things need praying about. God will reveal it to you in time spent with him. Prioritizing your life, denying yourself so that your own lustful desires of what you want to be and what you want to do and where you want to serve and where you don't want to serve are a non-factor anymore because it doesn't matter. I want to be what God wants me to be in any capacity that he wants me to be. Will it cost me my life? Maybe. But I'm going to go down swinging. I'm going to go down desiring what God has for me. Plan and pray. Seek God's desire. All these steps are effectual steps to getting there. To getting out of the now. To getting out of answering to the flesh's call. To getting out of answering Satan's call. Because guess what? Satan can't tempt anything but your flesh. He has no heavenly authority. But we can fall by the flesh if we don't give our hearts to God. Know the value of God's reward. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. We have no clue how great it's going to be. We can't wrap our minds around the things that we're going to see and do. I get excited just thinking about it. I I get excited thinking about the things that can happen here on this earth and and seeing my kids succeed and and killing a big buck like I did this year. That that wall hanger largemouth that you've waited all your life to rip into and how great those times are. And knowing that what God has to offer me, these things don't even hold a match to. 
These things are going to be so much better. God has so many great things, I believe, planned out for us in heaven that it supersedes anything that our mind could even fathom here on earth. There doesn't need to be a sun, it says in Revelations, that God will be the light. What? That's amazing, amazing thing. He says it also in Genesis because God said, let there be light and there was light. But that was before the sun was created. So we know it can happen. That God is light. These are amazing things. Unmatched to the earthly things that we see. But we have to be careful not to fall to temptation of the flesh. Because we don't want to reap of the flesh. It's temporal. All these things that we see, do, build, make, all go away the final coming. Unless we've stored our treasures in heaven. Unless we've reaped, helped reap souls and planted seeds. Those things are the only thing that will last. Souls saved are the only thing that's going to make it. The way I teach my kids, the way I talk to my friends, my co-workers, my parents, my cousins, my uncles have everlasting effects. I've got a guy that comes in my office every now and then. And he's gotten to the point now where he's like, man, I try not to I try not to cuss because I know you don't cuss. And I'm like, man, that's great. I said, don't do it for me, though. Do it because you want to make you better. Don't do it for me. Don't watch your language for me because guess what? If I run a nail through my finger, I might fault. Do it because you want to make you better. These things are not because it's what we want. It's because what God wants from us. He wants a child that says, yes, Father. He knows that we're going to stumble and he knows that we're going to fall and he's going to be right there beside us the whole way. But it's a growth process. That way, when you get older and you've been growing and maturing, that you stumble less and you fall less or you don't fall as hard or you fall with the knowledge, knowing that God's going to be there to help you pick up. Last one. Be patient. In Galatians 6, 9, it says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. It's a growth process. We've got to get out of this here and now mindset. God has the ability to change overnight, but I can tell you from personal experience that mine has been a growth process in which I've experienced some here and now by putting my faith in the Lord. In my growth process, I've seen some instantaneous things happen, but I believe fully because of my growth process, these instantaneous things start to happen. I had prayed for a long time and had tried to quit chewing Copenhagen for several, several years. And I had prayed about it a lot. And God spoke to me one day. He said, if you spit that dip out, you'll never chew again. 
I rolled down my window. I took it out of my mouth. I flung it out the window. I didn't have to get rid of the full can in my door pouch or the three cans sitting in my console because God took that desire away from me. Amen. Some things are instantaneous, but it's only in your desire and seeking the kingdom of God that these things happen. Your mindset has to change. It has to go from earthly realms to eternal realms where God has complete power and authority and that you relinquish everything that you have to Him. I hope we can grow together in that way because I need people to pick me up when I fall down. I need people to spur me on when I get lazy. Sometimes I just need people to sit with. That's what the church family is for. That's what the body of Christ is for. Is for one another because God knew that we were going to go through hard times. And God knew that we were going to face difficult times. And God says, I'll be with you. But I know your carnal mind. And you need somebody physically sitting with you to find comfort sometimes. So I'm going to give you that through the body of my son. So that you can all share the same blood. Amen. I get excited about that because God gives us everything that we need for success. He equips us. He gives us the path. He spurs us on and tells us guidance along the way. But what are you looking to? Are you looking to sow of your flesh? Are you looking for the instant gratification now? That's a drug thing. I want it now. I want to feel good now. I don't want to wait And take these hard times of healing process. I want it now. If you're looking for the next fix. Go all in. End up in South Africa. Talking to a witch doctor. You think I'm crazy. That's happened. I know a guy that that happened to. You want the next exciting thing to happen. Tell Christ that you're all in and tell God that you will be used whenever, wherever, and to whatever capacity that you want me and see where you land. It will be a wild, wild, crazy, but benefiting ride. Today, as we open up the altars, I I just implore you to ask yourself, are you willing To sacrifice the here and now for an eternal life with our Creator. Stand with me, please. Are you willing to sacrifice the fleshly lusts and desires of the here and now to seek the kingdom of God? That's the question I'm asking you today. Where are you at? Maybe you haven't taken that first step yet. Maybe you don't even know Christ is Savior, but today is the day of salvation. If you have not taken that step towards the kingdom, things, take that step today. We don't know about tomorrow. I was talking to a couple of elders before we came up here, and, and one of them said that something to the effect that I'm dying. And I said, well, today could be my last day. And they said, well, that's true. We just don't know, man. I don't know where I'm going to be tomorrow. I don't know where I'm going to be this afternoon. Today might be my day that I get called home. Glory, hallelujah. Because I know where I'm going. If you don't know where you're going... Find out today. 
Give your heart to Christ. Allow Him to rule your life. It makes it so much easier because now you don't have that weight and that burden to bear of running your own life. You've given it up. Today, make the decision. To make make the decision of who you're going to serve. Sometimes we just need to fall on our knees at the foot of Christ and say, God, I've been getting it wrong. I've been sowing to the flesh and I'm done. I'm tired. It's unfruitful. Today I want to start sowing to the Spirit, God. Today I want to start sowing into eternal things. I want everybody around me to see a change, God, that it might glorify you in whatever manner. May today be that day. Answer the call that God has purposed you with. Allow your life to be a service to the kingdom. The altars are open.